Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Woe's Media, where it, it, I sound like breaking news right now. I sound like Walter Cronkite up in this bitch. Uh, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say Walter Cronkite. I was going to say the other guy from like the 40s, Edward R. Murrow, but no one knows who he is outside of the journalism world. <laughs> no, my second option for that would have been like, I don't know, Barbara Walters or something, but she doesn't Barbara. really do like headline news anymore. She just... Tom Brokaw. Why are you naming men? Because statistically and historically, the news world has been conquered by men. Fun fact. That's why I'm out here trying to break the glass ceiling. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I'm in investment banking, so I get it. We we just hate men on this podcast. Get used to it. <laughs> so Annabelle, tell us what you're working on this week. I got two stories. They're both kind of people centric. So we're going to get a little bit more into the personal side of this week. But my first story is about how our resident character and Fed chairman, Jay Powell, got reelected for a second term. So we will get into that and who his vice chair is. And then my second story, this actually just broke yesterday. So the Fed story is a little bit like last Thanksgiving. Thank mm-hmm. you for bearing with us. And then, but this story broke yesterday. So um, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is stepping down. So we're going to get into that and why. Okay. What have you got? Today. We are talking about the ever popular, not really, Grammy Awards and their nominations that came out last week while we were taking a lovely little break for the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And Alyssa has feelings and we're going to talk about those feelings. Yes. She Snapchatted me saying hashtag scammies. (laughs) Preview, sneak peek. So Alyssa feels strongly as she normally does. As I do. Yes. All right. Let's get into J-Pow here. So our boy. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell has been renominated by President Biden for a second term as chairman. He Woo! made this announcement Monday the 22nd. So this is, I don't want to say old news because it's it's still important, but like it's, you know, it, it came out a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but President Biden, you know, we talked about this weeks ago on the podcast that he was like expected to either announce that Jay Powell was going to get a second term or that he was going to nominate somebody else. But he kind of took a sweet time making the decision and announcing it. I think he probably didn't want to cause ripples in the stock market. And also there were, you know, other other fish to fry. So it came out last week and President Biden said that Jay Powell was renominated because the current economic circumstances present, quote, enormous potential and uncertainty and require stability and independence. So he basically thinks that continuity is better in this case because there's so much going on as the U.S. economy recovers from COVID. So it's better to just kind of keep the same person rather than mix it up. And it should be noted that with the exception of Donald Trump removing uh, former Fed chairwoman Janet Yellen back when he took office, it's pretty common for Fed chair people to get renominated. Like they don't normally get replaced with with another pick just because there's a new president. Um, because remember the Fed is supposed to be nonpartisan and independent from Congress and the White House and a lot of that BS, but it is the White House's responsibility to nominate people. Mm-hmm. So Jay Powell, um, he was largely kind of the front runner, I guess you can say. Um, and he's somebody who conservatives really get behind because Jay Powell is a registered Republican. And he's somebody that moderates could get behind just because he's been doing a good job and he did a really good job during the Trump presidency of kind of ignoring a lot of the Trump 
insults because Trump was like insulting him and saying that he wasn't doing basically what he wanted him to do and just didn't like a lot of things that Jay Powell was doing. And Jay Powell was like, I don't answer to you. I answer to the American economy. Like you gave me this job. Thank you. But I'll take it from here. Thanks. Chief. You're not my dad. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well said. Um, a lot of progressives are not super happy with this move. Um, Elizabeth Warren in particular, along with a couple of other progressive senators in Congress, they really wanted um, a woman named Lael Brainerd, who is an American economist. And she worked in the U.S. Treasury for a while. We'll get into her in a minute. Um, but she's actually still in the picture here because while she did not get the head role, she is going to be Jay Powell's vice chairman or chairwoman, I should say, which is still a pretty big job. Um, she's going to be in charge of monetary policy. So this will be determining like interest rates and things like that. So that's, that's still a very big deal and it's a big position. And it's certainly like a larger one than she had before. So still a promotion for her. So we're excited about that. Um, Biden has said that he wants the Federal Reserve to focus on keeping inflation in check. As we know, it's super high right now, which is a bad thing. So they got to work on getting that curbed. So now that both Lael Brainerd as vice chair and Jay Powell as a second term as Fed chairman are renominated, the confirmations have to be approved by the Senate. It's not expected to be an issue. Um, when Jay Powell was first nominated by Trump, even with I believe it was the conservative majority at the time in the Senate. He was still approved like 82 to 13 or something like that. Like it was a, it was a landslide more or less. So that's also part of the reason that Biden renominated him just because it's something a lot of people in Congress can agree on. And let's be honest, there's not a lot of that right now. <laughs> so really? let's try to do something somewhat bipartisan and just get it passed. So Biden also praised Jay Powell for his decisive action early on in the pandemic, because what he did was he rolled out kind of an unprecedented group of lending programs. He cut interest rates to near zero, um, and he also instituted a monthly bond buying program to kind of like suck up some of the money in the economy to help keep it, you know, stable. Um, and this really increased the Fed's reserves of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, which again, helps stable financial markets a little bit more during all of the uncertainty. So a lot of that does not affect the day-to-day -day American consumer, but it is important because it affects the banks and as people who either work for banks like myself or who, people who are bank customers, which is almost all of us, it, it is ultimately going to impact you. So the bond purchasing program, because the economy is on the up and up, it's going to slow by about $15 billion per month. They're kind of trickling it off a little bit. It's um, And it's expected to conclude around late spring or early summer 2022. So that'll be wrapped up, you know, in the next year or so here. Um, and with COVID, it's important to note that Jay Powell obviously did not, like, you know, he's an economist and a banker. Like, there's he can't stop COVID single-handedly. No, of course not. Um, but... COVID did cause the absolute steepest recession we've ever seen in the U.S. economy, like a just straight down nosedive. Yeah. But it was actually the shortest. And a lot of that did have to do with Jay Powell's action. Like they didn't sit around and wait. And a lot of, um, you know, lessons about past financial crises, or crises, excuse me, can be traced back to like indecisiveness by the Fed or like failure to act quick enough, trying to figure out what to do. Like in 2008, there was a lot of debate about whether or not there should be a bailout. And that was kind of slow to happen. And there was not a lot of bank regulation going on. So the banks went gangbusters and got greedy and all that. 
topic for another day. But anyway, while there was still a recession caused by something unrelated to the Fed, the Fed did ultimately help fix the recession very quickly, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So Jay Powell, as we know, has definitely earned his job. So we are glad to have him back for another term here. So we'll get into Lael Brainerd a little bit because a lot of people don't know much about her. She is a woman, which we're excited about. Yes. There's some representation at the top here. So she is going to replace Richard Clarita, who's the current Fed vice chairman. So she will replace him. Um, She and Powell have Powell, excuse me, have pretty similar uh, rules on monetary policy. So she's on board with him with what to do with interest rates and the bond buybacks and stuff like that. But she is very different with him in terms of how the bank should be regulated. So while Jay Powell has been in office, there's been like some small gradual rollbacks on certain things in bank regulation that were put in place in 2008. President Trump did not think a lot of it was necessary. So he was kind of pushing for a lot of it to kind of, you know, go away. Obviously the banks are a big fan of this. A lot of people, especially in the conservative party are on board with it too. As somebody who works for a bank, I can say there's regulation out the wazoo. Um, A lot of it is necessary. You know, it protects consumers and it keeps banks from getting too driven by the profits um, and worried a little bit more about risk. So I do think ultimately they're a good thing, but it can make work a pain in the butt sometimes. I will admit to that. But uh, Jay Powell has kind of been on the, I don't want to say anti-regulation, but like less regulation in terms of the banks. Mm-hmm. And Lael Brainerd does not like that. She is very pro-regulation. That's why senators like Elizabeth Warren are a big fan of her because, you know, she wants to crack down on big corporations and doesn't want banks running naked and wild through <laughs> the American economy. So they're, they might butt heads there a little bit. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, so a little bit of her background, she worked um, under President Clinton as his deputy national economic advisor. And then in 2009, under President Obama, she joined the U.S. Treasury. And in 2014, Obama appointed her as a Fed governor. So she's been part of the Fed since 2014. So she's been here for several years at this point. Um, She's a Harvard alum, so a very smart woman, obviously. And I believe she was born in Germany, which is kind of cool. Hey. She's an American citizen, so let's let's not get into that debate. But (laughs) so the vice chair, like what she'll do in her role, she basically has a lot of sway over how interest rates are set and kind of balancing the unemployment rate and inflation and obviously big bank regulation, as I just talked about, she's going to have a pretty heavy hand in that. And she's currently talk about representation. She's currently the only Democrat on the federal reserves board of governors. Well, damn. Now, as I said, the, the federal reserve is supposed to be nonpartisan. Like they're not, you know, they don't answer to a political party necessarily. This is, I guess, just like, who they voted for in the past, or maybe like who appointed them when they first got the job or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't, I can't necessarily speak to all of their voting records, but it, it, I shouldn't say that that's to be expected, but it is kind of to be expected because a lot of the people on the federal board, they're economists or they're ex-bankers or they worked in private equity. And a lot of those people, just demographically speaking, lean conservative. As somebody's in the industry myself, I can speak to that. So yeah. there's a lot of 
you know, that's just kind of how it is. It's, they don't want the regulation because they've worked in that field and the regulation is annoying. So, but it is good to get a little bit of representation. Um, I'm glad that Lael Brainerd is going to be part of the picture now. She's also got a lot of ideas about financial innovation, which is pretty cool. We don't see a lot of that coming from the Fed, but she has really kind of pressed for the need for a digital dollar. So basically a cryptocurrency that's backed by the Federal Reserve instead of just, you know, the dollar bills you see in ATMs. She thinks a cryptocurrency that is secured and backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government is also necessary, which would be cool. And I'm personally a fan of that. I don't know how all the logistics of it would work out, but I mean, it would just kind of access, allow more access to cryptocurrency for Americans and, you know, give it a little bit more credibility, which would be cool. So yeah, she's also going to help uh, fight climate change kind of at the Federal Reserve level. That's another reason why a lot of progressives wanted her as the chief, because they just thought she would do a better job about going to bat for climate change and using the bank to kind of help that play out in the American economy. So I forgot to mention at the beginning, this story is called hashtag two terms, two terms, which is lame. But um, as a former two termer myself, humble brag, as the v- as the VP of finance at Delta Gamma. The University of Georgia. I, uh, Iota I chapter. This is just me trying to tie myself to J-Pow here. But yeah, so we will see what happens there. We got a little bit of a house divided in terms of bank regulation. But, you know, J-Pow does ultimately have the final say. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully the economy will get stabilized and inflation will calm down. Can I tell you what song was playing through my head the entire time? Uh during you were telling your story yeah hey dirty baby i got your money don't you worry you know that song right i think so odb okay yeah oh my lord okay (laughs) i'll listen to it i i'm I'm like i recognize it i just i'm having trouble playing it in my head he's the guy from wu-tang okay yeah solo for a while gotcha He's no longer with us. I can't say his full name on air because it includes an expletive, but ODB. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That man. Um, okay. So for today, I wanted to talk about the Grammys, but um, as many people may know now, the Grammys have an excess amount of categories, which is great because we're including all different types of genres and artists in it. But at the same time, I personally, I don't know about Annabelle, but I personally do not have any um, expertise in every single category of the Grammys. So I cut it down to 12. And there's too many anyway. There really are. There's (laughs) a lot. 12 is plenty. (laughs) So I thought we could go over 12 categories that may be seeing a lot more press this year. So we're going to start off. Well, first of all, I have to tell you, this is for the 64th annual Grammy awards. And a lot of people are like, Oh, why are the nominees coming out so soon? Because last year COVID pushed the ceremony back to, I believe March Mm -hmm. and the nominees came around, came out around the same time in 2020 if that makes any sense. So this is like standard practice. Um, The actual awards are going to be January 31st. So we're only like less than two months out really. So get excited. Um, 
before I do start, I want to give a round of applause to everyone who was nominated, but particularly John Batiste, who came out on top with the most nominations at 11. Killing it. Which is awesome because I feel like a lot of people may not know who John Batiste is, and he is a fantastic singer, songwriter, artiste, and I really love that. So, okay. First one, we're going to start at the bottom and then we'll get here. Nice reference. Thank you, because we're about to talk about him. Best rap album, The Off Season by J. Cole, Certified Lover Boy by Drake, King's Disease 2 by Nas, Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler the Creator, and Donda by Kanye West. So when we talk about these, are you going to pick like your favorite and then who you think is going to win? No, I'm actually, I might save that for later. I just wanted to get like genuine like reactions first. Okay. You want to hear my reaction? Yeah. So I like in the last year or so have listened to less rap than I normally do. I listened to it a lot in college because I would go to the gym regularly and now I play tennis, which doesn't require music. So <laughs> but I've I've been a Drake fan and a Kanye fan for a little while, not for their, you know, lifestyle or behavior or anything like that, but just solely on a music basis. I liked a lot of their stuff. I did not listen to Donda because I heard it was trash. And the last like couple of albums that Kanye's put out, I didn't care for at all. The last decent one, in my opinion, was Life of Pablo. Um, and then I did listen to Certified Lover Boy. That was garbage. Um I have not listened to the J. Cole album yet, but I do like him. I think he's really talented, so I would hope that one would win, but we'll see. Took the words right out of my mouth. I feel that Certified Lover Boy's nomination is absolutely undeserved. I don't know as much about Donda because I did not listen to it, but I do know that the reviews were very mixed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm not happy about this, especially considering, and we'll get more into this later, but Good News by Meg Thee Stallion came out last November. And Meg only received one nomination this year and none of it was for good news and good news broke so many records and were that has all of her major hits on it. Right. Really? Yes. That's the album name. Mm -hmm. So Alyssa's a little upset, but you know, we move. So hands on our knees, shaking ass, doing things. Um, (laughs) Next up, we have Best Rap Song, Bath Salts by DMX featuring Jay-Z and Nas, Best Friend by Sweetie featuring Doja Cat, Family Ties featuring uh, by Baby Keem featuring Kendrick Lamar, Jail by Kanye West featuring Jay-Z, and My Life by J. Cole featuring 21 Savage and Moray. I believe that's how you pronounce it. That's my best friend. She you a real bad, got her own money. money. She don't, don't need a person. On a dance floor, she got two, three drinks. So she twerk and she goes. That's I understand that like the men do tend to dominate the rap category just because historically they they've made up more of the genre, but like that's literally the only rap song that got nominated by female artists. Correct. That's trash. Okay, but I'm picking that one. Yeah, same. Um, like I said, I'll closer to the date, I'll come back with like, I won't go over every single, um, nomination next time, but I'll give you who I think is going to win and who I would like to win. So yeah, I was, I was fairly unimpressed with this category as well. I don't know any of these songs except for best friend. So yeah, which I don't listen to as much rap as Annabelle might have, but 
still. All right, best melodic rap performance. We have Pride is the Devil by J. Cole featuring Lil Baby, Need to Know by Doja Cat, Industry Baby by Lil Nas X featuring Jack Harlow, What's Your Name by Tyler, the Creator featuring Young Boy Never. Wait, Young Boy Never Broke Again? What kind of name is that? I didn't even read. That's too much for a song title. And Ty Dolla Sign. No, that's a man's name. Oh, oh, oh. Or a person. I shouldn't assume gender here. But yeah, What's Your Name by Tyler, the Creator featuring Young Boy Never Broke Again. And then Ty Dolla Sign. And then Hurricane by Kanye West featuring The Weeknd and Lil Baby. I think my favorite two are obviously Industry Baby and Need to Know. Same. So I don't know, like, between the two, which one I would rather win. I don't know. Lil Nas X deserves it, but, like, that, that's a good Doja Cat song. So I'll know. pick one, you pick the other. Okay, so I, I'm going to go with Industry Baby because I'm not as big of a Doja Cat fan. I, I don't mind her, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to see the weekend's name pop up again. Obviously he's said in the past because of what happened last Grammy season, he personally is not going to be submitting for any Grammy categories in the future, but you know, That's what if, I thought, yeah, we talked about that. Yes. But you know, if you're a featured artist, you don't really get say in what's submitted. Sure. So yeah, perfectly fine with that. All right. Best rap performance. We have family ties by baby King featuring Kendrick Lamar. Up by Cardi B, My Life by J. Cole featuring 21 Savage and Murray, Way Too Sexy by Drake featuring Future and Young Thug, and Thought Shit by Megan Thee Stallion. I'm, I'm, I'm taking bets on myself that Thought is going to be my number one most played song of 2021 because the amount of times I had to listen to it to get the rap right, also because I love it, but yeah. I literally sent Alyssa a Snapchat yesterday when I had to actually run inside a bank branch, like it's the 1990s. But <laughs> I, I sent her a Snapchat that's none of these hoes to see me at the bank. <laughs> and I was like, no hoes go to banks anymore. Really though. Megan had her point though. Uh, but did. yes, this is her only nomination. And in my notes, I just wrote an absolute crime. I would agree. But I also love Up by Cardi B. I know that song a lot too. That's probably going to be my most played too. All right, best. Now we're getting into the pop area. Best pop vocal album. We have Justice, Triple Chucks Deluxe by Justin Bieber. I I don't know. I didn't make I didn't realize that was the name of that album. I didn't either. But, you know, we, we, neither Annabelle nor I claim to be Justin Bieber's fans. So we don't really pay attention to him, honestly. Planet Her Deluxe by Doja Cat, Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish, Positions by Ariana Grande, and Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Okay, here we go. That's a better category. Um, Watch Justin Bieber win just because he's like the only dude in this one. Oh yeah, he is the only dude once again. It's just like the VMAs. Oh my God, it's going to happen again. No. It better not. I mean, those are all like really good options. I think- it would be cool to see Olivia Rodrigo win her first Grammy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm obviously an Ariana Grande fan, but I Positions is not one of her better albums, in my opinion. Um, I think like it has some really good songs on it, but the majority of it is meh, in my opinion. Um, Planet Her is a good album. Yes. Um, 
but again, Sour would also be cool to see nominated. Let's just hope it's not the Biebs. Yeah. Can I be completely honest? Mm-hmm. I'm not a Billie Eilish fan to the point of me going out of my way to listen to her music. I don't me think I've, I don't think I've listened to Happier Than Ever. I don't think I've heard one song on that album. I haven't either. I, I've literally just heard the part that's used in that Facebook Oculus commercial where they're all doing the I don't relate to I agree yes <laughs> I was like I, I like it it's a sounded good but I yeah I don't know yeah I just yeah I'm not a not a fan but anyways best traditional pop vocal album we have love for sale by Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga till we meet again live by Nora Jones a Tori Kelly Christmas by Tori Kelly Ladisi sings Nina by Ladisi that's life by Willie Nelson and a Holly Dolly Christmas by Dolly Parton. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I can't really say I've listened to any of these, I will admit. I listened to a little bit of Love for Sale and a little bit of a Holly Dolly Christmas. Um, Dolly won uh, a few Grammys in the past few years. So like, obviously I would love to see her win, but you know, if if someone else wins, I'm not going to be mad. I Yeah, so... All right, this is this is the category that get, gives me chills to this day. We have best pop duo group performance. I get a kick out of you by Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Lonely, lonely by Justin Bieber and Benny Blanco. Butter by BTS. Higher Power by Coldplay, and Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA. Well, we know who you're picking. All I'm going to say is this is the exact same category that they were nominated in last year. Yeah. And once again, it is the only category that they're nominated in. And it's their English song. Once again, yeah. all English song, which to be completely fair, um, they've only put out two songs this year and both of them have been English songs, but right. still you know, you, you got a group that's been around since 2013 and y'all are only starting to pay attention when they're putting out English music anyways. Um, and I was a little, uh, I had war flashbacks because like I said, this is the same com- category that they were nominated in last year. And once again, they're pitted against Lady Gaga who ended up taking the category last year. Right. So I was like, <laughs> so but and it was it was really cute. They released a video of them reacting to their nomination, and they've been working with Coldplay a lot this year. They have a song with Coldplay, and they were like, "Oh, we're rivals now, Chris." And I was like, "That's cute." So yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes again this year. Next, okay. Have- so I keep seeing commercials for like this one last time tour with Lady Gaga and Tony, or not tour, but like performance a live performance and they're acting like he's on his deathbed he has dementia i knew he was like old and not in good health but like not to sound morbid do you but do you think he would potentially win because it's like one of maybe the last times he could be nominated that's what i believe is the reason because they both got like as as a duo they got a lot of nominees and the man is 95 years old and he has won um multiple uh grammys in the past i believe but yeah he was diagnosed with alzheimer's i believe at the uh, in 2016 but they didn't make the announcement until this year so he yeah he 
was the physical challenges relating to dementia have really picked up in the last five years, which as a grandchild of an Alzheimer's patient and dementia patient, I can attest to that. Like sometimes, you know, the progression is really slow and then a few years it kicks in hardcore. Um, so I, I definitely believe it. And I do kind of feel like, you know, this may be their way of saying a final thank you to Tony Bennett, not saying that it's not undeserved, but. Right. And everyone loves Lady Gaga too. So like, if there's anybody to win a Grammy with. I do love their work together though. Mm -hmm. I love when they're together. So, okay. Best pop solo performance. We have anyone by Justin Bieber. Right on Time by Brandi Carlisle, Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish, Positions by Ariana Grande, and Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Positions is one of probably the top three songs on that album. So I'll go with that one as my pick. Yeah, I'm not I'm not happy about Driver's License being nominated, not because I don't like Olivia Rodrigo, but I do feel that Driver's License is the worst song. In my opinion, yeah, I think there's there's some better ones on there. Literally, that was just like the big one. I feel like yeah, because originally. of TikTok, it got so big. But yeah, I'm like brutal. One step forward, three steps back. Like, deja vu, deja vu. Thank you. Oh my god, deja vu is probably my favorite song from the album. If we're being completely honest, so how does she go that high? Her vocal range is nuts. <laughs> yeah, I'd be squeaking. I don't know how she does that. Olivia Rodrigo, hire me. Okay, so next up. We're back, we're into the general category. And this is the category that everybody always talks about each year. And it is the best new artist category. And before I get into it, I would like to add for those who may not know anything about the Grammys, they define best new artist as an award given to a new artist who releases during the eligibility year, the first recording, which establishes the public identity of that artist. Now, please take note that this is not necessarily the first album that an artist puts out, but it is the one that really like puts them them into fame. Correct. Yes. So now we have Aruj Aftab. Jimmy Allen, Baby Keem, Phineas, Glass Animals, Japanese Breakfast, The Kid Leroy, Arlo Parks, Olivia Rodrigo, and Sweetie. It's a good mix. Yes. And I would like to uh, point out, um, I went back because in, in some instances, this category has been very homogenized. So I would mm-hmm. like to take a moment to tell you that um, Aruj Aftab is a Pakistani individual and Glass Animals are a British band. Japanese Breakfast is headed by a Korean American woman. Arlo Parks is Nigerian, French, Chadian, and British. Kid, the Kid Leroy is Australian. Yeah. Olivia Rodrigo is Filipino American and Sweetie is Filipino, Chinese, and African American. I don't think I knew Olivia Rodrigo was Filipino American. <gasps> How dare you? That's that's really cool though. Mm-hmm. I know you're on board with that. Now, yeah, we got two Filipinos up in this mix. Also, uh, going back to what I said earlier about how this is the first album that I like establishes the public identity. 
all of these individuals nominated in this category have been performing for at least three years. Yeah. So no one's necessarily really new. And the biggest gripe that I have with this category is the fact that Phineas is nominated. Phineas already has eight Grammys. Sorry, I did not mean to curse, but if you are already- wait, that doesn't make any sense then. If you've already won other Grammys, why are you in the new artist category? It's because like he's the performer instead of Billy, but he got all of his previous Grammys through Billy. But I still think it's absolute like hogwash. Because if you already have a Grammy, I don't believe you should be nominated in this category. That's just- No, I agree. And, you know, some of these other people may have Grammys. I don't believe any of them do, but if they do, I apologize. But he's the one that really stuck out to me. Because if you already have eight, sorry, bub, you don't deserve to be in this category. Yeah. So that's that's all I have to say about that. Well, also- I, I heard rumors that a few of my K-pop artists actually submitted for this category. And once again, going back to all of them have been active for more than three years, but they didn't get nominated. So whatevs. Such is life. Yeah, such is life. Okay. Song of the year. <clears throat> We're almost done, I promise. Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. A Beautiful Noise by Alicia Keys and Brandy Carlisle. Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, Fight for You by Her, Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA, Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic, Montero, Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X, Peaches by Justin Bieber featuring Daniel Caesar and Givian, and Right on Time by Brandi Carlile. Ugh, Peaches. <laughs> if Peaches wins, I will riot in the streets. And it yeah, that's a bad... Uh... Stay is is better than peaches. Mm-hmm. Stay I don't know. is absolutely better than peaches. What, what what's your pick here? Well, I don't want to give it away. Oh, Montero, I, right? Yeah. Call me by your name. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I would just love to see a song that involved a pole dancing for Satan. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. So next we have Album of the Year, We Are by John Batiste, Love for Sale by Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga, Justice, the Triple Chucks Deluxe by Justin Bieber, Planet Her Deluxe by Doja Cat, Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish, Back of My Mind by Her, who is also Filipino, by the way, Filipino and Black, Um, Montero by Lil Nas X, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo, Evermore by Taylor Swift, and Donda by Kanye West. So I recently texted Alyssa and our best friend, Hannah, and I said, besties, I'm afraid to tell you this. And they were like, oh crap, like what happened? And so I was not necessarily like, I don't want to use the word hater, but I was like, I didn't really understand the Taylor Swift hype. Like I listened to Lover when it came out and I was like, oh, I don't like this. Like this is too bubblegum for me. But I listened to Folklore and Evermore recently, along with her re-release of Red and yeah, I think you just got to find like the right albums within her repertoire because she's obviously been through different season changes in her life and different changes, her music aesthetic and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I love Evermore. I think it's an incredible album. I was completely surprised that this is the only nomination that Taylor Swift got this year. Yeah, that's shocking because she's been busy. And 
obviously evermore not evermore sorry folklore was a much more fleshed out version of or album and evermore was i don't want to say like the scraps left behind but it was like the extra songs that didn't make it onto folklore which still good stuff annabelle knows this i like taylor swift's music like especially folklore and evermore those are probably like two of my favorite albums by her Mm. um so i i just the thing that bothers me is like, I always forget how many of our friends are Taylor Swift fans until yeah. she releases something. And then my entire feed on social media is clouded with Taylor Swift. And that's fine. You know, I love that people love her and they're expressing themselves fully on Instagram. I just get a little tired of seeing it. And that's my problem. That's not theirs. And I'll be completely honest though. I have not listened to the new red because Personally, just personally, I think I don't get the hype behind the re-releases. I'm like, this is music y'all have heard before, you know? Well, so it is a longer album. Like it has a lot of stuff from the vault. So it does have new music on it, even though a lot of it is what she's already released. But I, I think like it's exciting for her fans who have been with her for so long because it's about her taking like ownership of her art more Absolutely. than anything. Um and then obviously the all too well 10 minute version haven't listened she's just, to it it's it's iconic i mean it's it's exciting but i understand what you mean like she's taylor Swift is very good about not only marketing her own content but like getting her fans so hype about it that they market it for her <laughs> literally yes absolutely she has free advertising through tiktok and instagram mm-hmm. um so yeah, I, I understand the annoyance there for sure. Before I like listened to all of it, I was like, oh, this is annoying. Also, but I, like- I, I still don't really advertise for it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just don't post much on social media anyway, but if Same. I did, it wouldn't be about that. Like I love folklore, but I didn't really talk about it that much on like social media. And that's, that's you know, that's my choice. I do um, think folklore is better than evermore. A yeah. lot of people disagree with me, but I think folklore is like, I don't know. The songs are just a little bit more memorable, in my opinion. I do love Tis the Damn Season, though. That's a good one. That's, That's probably really my one. favorite one from Evermore. Honestly. That one, Willow, Champagne Problems. See, I didn't like that one as much as everybody else did. Champagne Problems? Yeah. I was like, eh, whatever. Well, it's depressing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Horribly also, sad. Speaking of depressing, like I said, I haven't even listened to the all too well 10 minute version, but the way people were talking about it on social media, it got me in my feelings about my previous relationships. And Melissa had to step away from social media because it was making me so damn sad. Yeah, I I understand that even as somebody who's currently in like a healthy, happy, loving relationship. Some of us can't relate. I I was still like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, do I pick a fight with him just so I can like listen to this and feel it? No, I didn't do that. But do I text him to tell him he was a booty hole? Not yours, my last one. Mm. Yeah, you could. I could. I'm better than that. Anyways, (laughs) airing out all my grievances. Okay, last but not least, we have record of the year. We have I Still Have Faith in You by ABBA. Freedom by John Batiste. I Get a Kick Out of You by Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Peaches by Justin Bieber featuring Daniel Caesar and Givian. Right on Time by Grandy Carlisle. Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA. Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. Montero, Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X. 
driver's license by Olivia Rodrigo and leave the door open by Silk Sonic. I feel like there's a lot of like repeats for like song and record. There always are. There, and within the different categories, it's a lot of the artists that are the same because it's just like who did well that year. Yes, absolutely. Also, you know how you know how you know that the Grammys are trash. How? This is ABBA's first ever Grammy nomination. Are you kidding me? I'm not. That's ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awful. So once again, children, just because the Grammys are considered not anymore, but they used to be considered a highly like elite award to be bestowed upon, that does not equal success. So you can be bankrolling and getting money and have all these fans in your life, but you may not have a Grammy and that's okay. Like BTS who contributes to like a quarter of South Korea's GDP. That's nuts, by the way. You're welcome, baby. That's like my favorite statistic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why do you think they've been deferred so many times from the military service? Yeah, as they should be. uh, Yeah. They have a higher calling. (laughs) Yes. Literally, they've been in LA for the past like two or three weeks and they've been going off. Like, I love their attitude right now. Like, not to mention, I'll save it for later, but something that happened the other night that made Alyssa depressed again. But okay, uh, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is, you know, a fairly, you know, I don't want to say well-rounded, but I think I I like a lot of what's going on in this category. A lot of these songs sound very different from each other, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate. Um, but yeah, that's the Grammys. All right. So my last story is called, this is also kind of a lame title, but at least it's got my signature alliteration in it. Uh, bye-bye boss birdie. Bye bye. Get it? Because Twitter's logo is the bird. Did you know that the Twitter logo, the the bird is named Larry? His name is Larry Bird. Like the basketball player. Not Larry. Yeah, somebody was just memeing when they created that. I love that. I love when people just call it the bird app. They're like, get off the bird app. The bird app, yeah. (laughs) All right, so bye bye, boss birdie. So as of yesterday, uh, Monday the 29th, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey stepped down as CEO. Um, he, so he's also the CEO of Square, that digital payments app. Like if you've ever been to a farmer's market or any sort of like Christmas festival or anything like that, where they have like vendors and stuff like that, that you can buy things from. A lot of them have Square where it's like that plug into your phone and you swipe yeah. your card on it and, and sign on the phone. It's just like a digital way to do it. Um, but anyway, he was also the founder of that. In addition to the co-founder of Twitter, he will still be CEO of Square, but he's stepping down from Twitter. Um, so it, it was effective immediately. So he's no longer Twitter CEO. His replacement will be a man named Parag Agrawal. He is currently Twitter's chief technology officer. So that's effective immediately. He's currently the new CEO. Um, and obviously stock markets, when there's generally like a big management change unless it's somebody who's just like hated or unless it's a company that's been doing like terribly and they really needed a management change stocks generally react negatively to CEOs stepping down so stocks were down 2.74% yesterday on this news Jack Dorsey will remain on the board of Twitter until his term expires in 2022 in which case I guess he's going to wipe his hands of it 
I'm sure he'll keep his shares because they keep him a billionaire. But in terms of his actual power with the company, that'll go away in 2022 when his board term expires. The Twitter founder says that he believes the company is ready to move on from its founders, which is a weird thing to hear from a founder. I feel like a lot of business founders and entrepreneurs like really like to cling for a long time, if not the rest of their life, to what they've created. And rightfully so. I mean, it's a big venture. It's their life's work. But sometimes people are just ready to move on professionally. There really wasn't a lot of information given as to why he resigned. So I have some conspiracy theories about this (laughs) that we will get into. Um, But Jack Dorsey is really supportive of Parag Agarwal taking over. He said he has been his choice to lead the company for quite some time now and thinks that Agarwal really understands the company's needs. Um, So Agarwal, we'll get into him just a little bit here. So he is an Indian native. Um, He's 37 years old. And he's a smart man. He has a PhD in computer science from Stanford. So, and he's been with Twitter for, I believe, over a decade now. And he's been CTO since 2017. So he knows what he's doing for sure. Um, He worked on kind of involving strategy with artificial intelligence and machine learning and working to make timelines a lot more relevant to the individual users of Twitter. So basically like, you know how TikTok you always see exactly what you want to see. They were trying to do the same thing with Twitter. Sure. <laughs> okay, that, <laughs> that was rhetorical. I know you're not on TikTok. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of his experience. He also ran something called Project Blue Sky, which is something that Twitter worked on to kind of work on creating like a decentralized social media universe, basically, where content was still not... Like it didn't promote hate content and stuff like that, that Facebook has had a lot of problems with, but it was still like decentralized because Jack Dorsey's big thing is like supporting the first amendment. And, you know, he doesn't believe things should be taken down necessarily just because they're wrong, but you know, that's obviously caused some problems in our modern day and age. So Jack Dorsey has had quite a roller coaster ride with Twitter. And I really didn't know any of this because a lot of it happened before I started really paying attention to business. So we'll get into this a little bit. I didn't realize, but Twitter was founded in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty old. Um, it's definitely not like a startup or a new company anymore. So Dorsey co-founded Twitter in 2006 and he was the acting CEO until the board of directors pushed him out in 2008. So when companies are startups, they have to get funding from usually private equity or venture capitalists. Um, And a lot of what those firms that are looking to lend are looking at is kind of like who's on management, what their vision is, stuff like that. So a lot of the board of directors, they thought that Dorsey was not doing a good job of solving a lot of issues. So they just, they decided to push him out um, so they could get the money that they needed to do what they wanted with Twitter. So he was pushed out in 2008. And he was replaced with a man named Dick Costello or mm. Costello. It's not spelled like Abbott and Costello, but um, anyway, so he was originally ousted because Dorsey was unable to solve a persistent outage issue um, that crashed Twitter regularly. Like the Twitter app, as long as I've had it, it's never been like the best app. It does crash fairly regularly. <laughs> that bird app. 
that bird out that I'm so literally on right now. Like I I'm listening to you and I'm like on my Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, it's for research got some issues, but, uh, they also had a lack of backup for Twitter system, which investors along with the board were not crazy about and get this Dorsey had a tendency to leave work early to attend fashion design and yoga classes. Oh, wait. Major board member and investor, uh, Evan Williams, he said, you can either be a dressmaker or the CEO of Twitter. You can't be both. Why is that iconic? <laughs> it's iconic, but it's also so mean. Like, leave the man alone. God he can have his hobbies. hobbies. Oh I mean, God. I understand when you're like a founder of a tech startup. You don't depressing. have a lot of time for hobbies, but like, I'm sure he was just trying to have a little bit of balance. One day you're in, next day you're out. That's right. Like, let, let the man go to fashion courses. Come on. So, yeah, I thought that was some tea. Um, so in 2009, after he was pushed out from Twitter in 2008, he founded Square, which, as I said, is the digital payments app. And he was brought back in to Twitter as the interim CEO in 2015. Um, Dick Costello resigned because the share price is slumping. Growth was kind of uncertain. It had tapered off a little bit and was kind of losing out to some other social media apps. And Costello kind of had an inability to refine the long-term vision, which investors never like to see anyway, thus mm-hmm. the slumping share price. So Dorsey was named interim CEO, and he was in that role for three months. And finally, the board was like, all right, you can have your company back. So he rejoined as permanent CEO in 2015, where he led the company until yesterday. <laughs> so he's had some ups and downs for sure. Um, He definitely just kind of seems... I don't like I hate to use this pun but like he's kind of a free bird <laughs> like he's just he's sort of like a free spirit like he's big on you know deregulation and the first amendment and all that but he also just like I mean if he's leaving work early to go to yoga I don't know like he's clearly just not, him yeah like normally not the, the standard corporate CEO that most people expect um and guess what he says he will get into now that he's not working on Twitter? Cryptocurrency. How did you know that? Oh, that was like literally just a guess. Yeah. <laughs> he says he's going to pursue his passion of Bitcoin. His passion? He said if he did not work, like prior to resigning, he said if he did not work in Square or in Twitter, he would be working on cryptocurrency and he has a big passion and interest in, in Bitcoin. I've never heard of someone being like, my passion is crypto. <laughs> I know that's wild, but, um, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It kind of marries the two with like the internet and digital payments, which is what he does or has done. So I'm sure he's got a really good understanding of it, but yeah, it is funny to hear that. Hmm. Have you seen that meme? That's like, if any man ever explains to me how crypto works, I'm just going to say, Oh, so it's like Cole's cash. <laughs> I think I have seen that actually. I love that. Oh, it that is a quite funny in my opinion but uh yeah so jack dorsey is out um parag agrawal as i said current new ceo after serving as cto since 2017 he's got a lot on his plate here twitter's got some very ambitious goals um that he's gonna have to kind of work to meet they are planning and striving to achieve 315 million monetizable daily active users 
which is a lot every day. That's like about the entire population of America on Twitter and making money off of them, which in theory shouldn't be that hard when you think about how many people in the world there are, but to make money off all of them, that's ambitious for sure. Um, They also want to at least double annual revenue by 2023. So yeah. That's um, aggressive timelines, aggressive goals. We will see what Parag Agarwal is capable of. Um, Hopefully the stock for Twitter levels off a little bit. Um, It's always exciting when we see people from, you know, different backgrounds taking over, especially in, you know, Silicon Valley and in tech companies, just because it's so dominated by like a lot of white guys. So Mm. to have like an Indian man lead it is pretty cool in my opinion. yeah. Um, and he's obviously very smart with the Stanford PhD in computer science. And I mean, he's been with the company for a long time, so it makes sense. We'll see what he can do. Woo. So get off the bird app, get off the damn bird app. Do you have a smile pal? So Stanley knows because he's been dealing with my ass all week. BTS is currently performing in LA. Uh, they've done two shows already. They have two more shows coming up at the end of this week. And I'm so sad that I'm not there. And the, the other night during their second performance, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but during the AMAs, BTS was supposed to perform the butter remix that they did with Megan, the stallion with Megan. And because of a personal issue she had to cancel last minute and she was like don't worry guys I'm gonna make up for it so the other night they were performing butter and she came out on stage looking like a vision I don't doubt it and dancing with the boys and not to be dramatic but Megan the Stallion is my number one girl crush in this world and Kim Namjoon, who is the leader of BTS, is my number one man crush. Seeing them interact together, like bumping and grind, not grinding, but like dancing together, having such a good time. Ooh, <laughs> it was so great, but it also made me so sad. Like I literally like almost cried about it. <laughs> so now we're just hoping for uh, the announcement of a world tour coming after um, this series of concerts. And yeah, hopefully they'll come to Texas because I need it. I need it. What about you? Um, before I get into mine, have you tried the Megan the Stallion like honey hot thingy? Egg at, sauce? Yeah, Popeyes. Not yet. I'm still waiting. Because I know you like Popeyes, so I figured you would have uh, been all over that. I still got to get it delivered to my house. That's the only thing. I don't have a Popeye's near where I live right now. So gotcha. I gotta, okay. I might order it this week, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'll get back to you. Good call. She's also half Creole. So that stuff is going to be spicy. Yeah. I don't think I could handle that. I like sweat eating hot Cheetos. So <sighs> thanks. I'm a weenie. I'm like such a white person with spice. I can't do it. Weenie hot junior. I like put too much pepper on something. I'm like, ah, you sound like my mom. She's like, this ketchup is too spicy. I'm like, it's ketchup. Uh, no, ketchup is not spicy, but like certain things, I'm like, ooh, I need some water. Ooh, ooh, water. Um, my smile file is that the dogs are going to the SEC championship, and so am I. I got a ticket yesterday, 
and I'm stoked. So are my parents. Are they going? Yeah, they got tickets. Oh, no way. So they're leaving this weekend and my brother and sister-in-law are going to be in New York. So I'm pet sitting for the week. Oh, I'm sorry. You're by yourself. It's okay. I like, they asked me if I wanted to go to the SEC championship and I was like, I'm good. You know, like I, 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 obviously I'll be watching it, but I don't have any like desire to be there. So I've never gone Mm -hmm. in person to the game. I never got like a ticket from the lottery in college. So I'm excited. Hell yeah. All right. Thank you guys for joining us this week. Thank you for being patient with us while we took a break for the holidays last week. We'll be back next week with another episode. Um, Until the meantime, everyone have a good week. Thank you for listening. Bye.